You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So good to see you this morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Sam, and I serve as one of the pastors at CA Church. And uh, fun to be at uh, the Fun Campus. I think so, right? (laughs) So good to be here with Rail City. Let's go. Okay, well, we are going to get into our Bibles right away. Luke 24. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there to Luke 24. And uh, maybe while you're turning there, I'll just uh, double down. I think Cam shared about the Christmas Eve offering. How cool is that, that we raised $120,000 together? Well done. Thank you for for giving so generously. So cool. Well, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read Luke 24, we'll start reading in verse 13 as we kick off this brand new series on prayer together. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cephas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know this thing that's happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early that morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road that and opened scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus would recognize by them when he broke bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can take a seat. Is this mic okay, or do you want me to switch to a, another mic? We're good? Okay. Okay, so a series on prayer. What do, you, what do you think of, what do you feel when I say that we're actually going to spend the next kind of six weeks studying prayer? You know, I, I haven't seen research or stats on this, but anecdotally, I, I would imagine that Christians struggle more with prayer than maybe anything else in the Christian life. Not everyone, but I think a lot of people struggle to pray. You think that's true? And I think that's the case for, for a few different reasons, and not, not only spiritual ones. Like, I think for one, 
people often perceive prayer as just boring. <laughs> like, for example, when you hear about a prayer meeting that's happening at our church, maybe you think about bad coffee in a dingy church basement and awkward silence and a night you'll never get back. <laughs> And on top of that, I, I think it can be so hard to focus when we pray, getting distracted by all the different things on our to-do list or the things that have been stressing us out at work or at home. And so prayer can become, as one scholar said, prayer can just be worrying in God's general direction. <laughs> I, I think another reason that we struggle with prayer is because it can feel like we're just talking to ourselves or maybe like we're reading a, a, a list to Santa Claus about what we want him to bring us. Maybe we wonder if we're doing it right when we pray. I've heard a lot of people say that they feel, they feel foolish, especially when they pray out loud with other people because you know, they, they're not sure if they have their technique down right or if they're using the right kind of words. And so as a result, many people, many Christians just don't pray. We come up with all these excuses. You know, I have small children. I'll start, I'll start praying when they're older. Or I work the night shift, and so I'm always tired. Or I try to pray right before bed, but I always fall asleep as I'm praying. You know, my sense is prayer for a lot of us is like eating vegetables. <laughs> you know, we know it's good for us. We know that we should eat our greens. But if we do, most of us don't enjoy the process. Unless those greens are covered in Caesar dressing and croutons. But at that point, it's healthy anyways. I'm not sure. You know, I don't think it's, it's an overstatement to say that prayer can be a real struggle. One author, John Mark Comer, he, he claimed that we live in one of the most difficult times in all of human history to pray. And, you know, whether, whether that's true or not, it certainly feels that way. I mean, with, with the smartphone alone, if ever there was a death blow to prayer for an entire generation... And then on top of the smartphone, there's, there's social media and YouTube and digital streaming services and noise pollution. There's all these kind of built-in distractions to life in the modern West. And so I say all that to say, if you struggle to pray, if you struggle with prayer, then you're not alone. You are in good company today. And even while, while I'll be teaching several of these different talks, and so will Cam and other pastors um, on, on this, this series on prayer, I am anything but a pro. I am a fellow sojourner on this journey of listening to respond and to listen to the voice of God. St. Teresa of Avila, she was known to say, when it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. And yet prayer is this portal into the deeper life with God. This life that I think we all crave at the deepest parts of who we are. And maybe we don't identify it as a desire for God. Maybe we misidentify mis mis it as something else. But we all long for relationship with the divine, with the one who, who made us and who sustains us. And so that's why we're doing this series. Because prayer is arguably the most integral part, the most essential part of our Christian journey. And yet, a lot of times it's so difficult to even know where to start. So maybe let's start here. We're going to start with learning to listen to the voice of God. And so turn with me again. If you have your Bibles in front of you, you can look at Luke chapter 24, the passage that I just read for us a moment ago. Um, that, that specific text is often referred to as the road to Emmaus. And it's this really beautiful story in Luke's gospel. And so I want to work through it kind of slowly and treat it almost as a road map for learning to hear God's voice. You know, I should say I'm, I'm indebted to a few different authors and thought leaders who were so helpful in the curating of this talk. And so specifically, uh, a guy named Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer, John Mark Comer, Richard Foster, and a guy named Dallas Willard. 
Okay, so we're going to explore five, five ways that we can hear God's voice as seen right here in Luke chapter 24. Five ways that we can hear God's voice. Let's pick up again in verse 13. It says, now that same day, two of them were going on a to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Okay, pause. When it says they were talking with one another about everything that had happened, what they're, what they're talking about there is, is, is they're talking about the life, death, and the possible resurrection of Jesus. This story takes place early on Easter morning. And at this point, Jesus says he's already risen from the dead. He's appeared to Mary Magdalene and some of the other women. But these two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus, they haven't seen the risen Jesus yet. And so they've heard that he may have risen from the dead, that the tomb was empty, and they're contemplating, okay, what just happened over these last three days? As this one that we thought was the Messiah was crucified and, and then hung up on the cross and, and, and potentially the tomb is empty. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, it says, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. Okay, pause again. I want you to catch this. Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them. This is critical to our conversation on prayer. The way we hear God speak and this, is, this, is, this story happens after the resurrection, remember. This is, this is Jesus in his glorified body. The way we hear God speak is in and through the person of Jesus. And that's not just true of those disciples who walked on that road to Emmaus that day. It's also true for us today. I love the way that Pete Gregg, he says it. He says, Jesus is what God sounds like. He is literally the living word of God. Hearing his voice is not so much a skill we must master as a master we must meet. I love that. It's not, it's not just a, a skill we must master, but prayer is a master we must meet. And, and that's what happens to the disciples on that walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus is they encountered the master. They meet Jesus. You know, the author of Hebrews double down, doubles down on this idea of, uh, of God speaking to us in Jesus. And he says, in the past, God spoke to us through our ancestors, through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, and so Jesus is literally what God sounds like. He is the word of God. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as, as the word. We talked about this through our Advent series, uh, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. You know, in modern Christianity, oftentimes the Bible is referred to as the word. But what we see all throughout the New Testament, when it says the word, it's referring to Jesus and the announcement of his soon and coming kingdom. Jesus is what God sounds like. And this is, so important that hearing God's voice, it begins and it ends with Jesus. Because all other ways that God communicates with us, they, they come through Jesus and they point back to Jesus. That being said, as we're going to see as we continue to unpack this text together, Jesus uses a lot of different mediums to speak to us. For example, one of the clearest ways that he speaks to us, that we can listen to his voice, is in Scripture. Jump back to Luke 24. You know, Jesus is walking with these two disciples. And remember, at this point, they, they don't recognize that it's him yet. He's, they're walking with this guy. At this point, it might be a stranger. And, and, and they're, they're sharing with him that they're dumbfounded about everything that's happened and how they can't make sense of this guy they thought was the Messiah had just been killed. And, and this is how Jesus responds after all of those things that they say to him. Verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of scripture concerning himself. I love that. He explained to them. 
See, as Jesus begins to speak to his disciples on the road to Emmaus, the first thing he does is he opens up scripture. Jesus explains to them. He speaks to their minds. And I think that might be important, an important note to make this morning because I wonder if there's some people here that think, you know, we're studying prayer for six weeks. Like that just sounds so nebulous. And like, I'm more of a concrete person. Like my faith is very rational. I like to think about God and I like to think well and, and God speaks to me in these very real rational ways, not, not this kind of prayer kind of thing. But if that's where you're at, I would say good. That's one of, one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is in our minds, is through the diligent study of scripture. Paul the apostle echoes this idea that God speaks to us through scripture. He says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God speaks to us through his God-breathed canon of scripture, through, through the Bible. And so it's important that we learn to think deeply and to understand our Bibles with rigorous study. You know, I actually think it's quite profound that, that Jesus, the first thing he does with his disciples when, he, when they have this encounter with him is he opens up scripture. Like the first several hours of their time with him. Is this, is this Bible study. There's no keyboard and there's no, you know, your, worships, your favorite worship song, the bridge of it on repeat. And I'm all for that stuff. But that's not what we see in this, in this encounter with Jesus. We see this, this, this passionate Bible study of Genesis through Malachi. And I point that out to say that to pray, it doesn't require that you shut off your mind. Quite the opposite. Like to encounter Jesus' presence to learn to hear his voice is not to leave behind logic. It's not at odds with good theology. If we're going to become a people of prayer, a people who know the voice of God in our everyday lives, it's going to start with learning to hear his voice. And, and, and the best place we can start to learn to hear his voice is through his inspired word. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, it says, he explained to them what was said through scripture concerning himself. So listening to the voice of God is nothing less than learning to understand scripture. But I do want to say that learning to hear God's voice in scripture should be so much more than an intellectual exercise. Like it's meant to go beyond our minds and, and capture our hearts. I love the way the disciples described that experience they had with Jesus through that Bible study. And, you know, they said, we're not our hearts burning within us when he opened scripture to us. We're not our hearts burning within us as he opened scripture to us. You know, when I was a, a young Christian, that's exactly how I would describe my relationship with scripture in high school. You know, I, I had this dynamic relationship with my Bible. I loved reading it multiple times a day sometimes. And I felt like God was just speaking to me so clearly as I opened up the different pages of scripture. And, and so that was one of the big reasons that I decided to go to Bible college, to train to become a pastor so I could, I could dig deeper into scripture, to hear God's voice in even more profound ways. And, and as, I, as I was in Bible college, that, that did happen to some extent. There was, some, there was one specific class that I remember. It was a Romans class with a teacher named Fred Eaton. And I, I don't remember the exact passage of scripture that he was teaching, but we got to this one class. And as we're, we're just doing word studies and, and learning about this one text in Romans, I was, I was just brought to tears as I felt like I, I understood for the first time what Jesus had really done for me on the cross. And then the studying of scripture just came alive to me in this whole new way. And so I did have those kind of encounters in Bible, Bible college. Um, but, but I also found that as I continued in this studying of scripture, as it came to, I think it was about my third year, sadly, that book that had been so life-giving to me and, and it had left my heart burning with passion within me, you know, at some point in that journey of Bible college, it turned into nothing more than a textbook. 
It was, it was useful for writing papers and for coming up with talks and, and sermons, and, 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 but that was kind of the extent of it. I mean, I was reading it more than I ever had before. I was doing word studies, and I was looking at the meaning of the Greek and the Hebrew words and, and studying more about the, the context of the first century. Um, but rather than looking for God on the pages of Scripture, I was just looking for proof text for my paper on the Trinity or sanctification or whatever else it happened to be. It just became so common to me, and truthfully, it felt pretty uninspiring. I'd flip through to get a quick note, but this book that had once been this lifeline for my spiritual life had become kind of dry and stale. Have you ever felt that way about the Bible before? I just struggled to, like, you, you know you should love it, you want to love it, but it just feels stale. You know, even for me, sometimes in, in the, the Bible in a year devotional plans, which maybe some people started in this room as we started the new year, um, they're great. And if it works for you, that's awesome. But what I found for me is oftentimes the 10 chapters a day just becomes another thing to check off my list. And I, and I read it, but I just kind of blow through it so that I'm done and I can move on to the rest of my, my life. And, and so this thing that, that, that can bring so much life to me, to my weary soul, ends up just being another item on my to-do list. That being said, Scripture actually can and should be a place of encounter with God. And, and one, one practice that's really helped me in this last kind of section of my journey with Scripture and with Jesus has been this, this ancient practice called Lectio Divina. Has anyone heard of this before? Lectio Divina. Um, I don't have time to fully unpack it today. It's in the prayer guides. I don't know if you've heard about the prayer guides yet, but our church has put together an awesome resource. And so there's a digital copy you can download for free, or there's a paper version that you can get. I don't know if it's here today. It probably will be next week. Um, I think it's like $5 or by donation. But there's more about Lectio Divina there. But let me just give you the, the, the short version. You know, in Lectio Divina, you read scripture intentionally very slowly and prayerfully. And as you read, you're asking the Holy Spirit, you're saying, illuminate a particular word or a phrase or a section of these verses to speak directly to me. Lectio Divina is different than a Bible study, and there's absolutely a place for both. But if a Bible study, if the questions we ask in a Bible study are like, what did this text mean to the original audience, and how do we apply that to our lives? Lectio Divina asks, how is God coming to me personally through this text? Now, we, we do have to be very careful with this because we don't want to manipulate the Bible and we don't want to make it say something that it doesn't. You know, Satan did this to Jesus in the desert, tried to twist the words and make them say something that they didn't say. We don't want to do that. We, we, we don't want to ask for new meaning from God. We want to ask God to reveal what aspect of the original meaning he directly wants to impress on our hearts and on our lives. This way of, of, of reading scripture has become a, an earphone to God's voice for me and for many, many others. Lectio Divina, so you can check it out in the prayer guide. Okay, let's keep moving. We hear God's voice through scripture. We also hear God's voice. We can encounter the presence of God in community. This is so important to the Christian life. Notice in Luke 24 that Jesus shows up to the disciples together. They're walking together on this road to Emmaus, and he encounters them. And, and this is an important theme that we see all throughout the New Testament. We follow Jesus together. We cannot make it through the Christian life alone. Here's where, where community is especially important in this conversation of hearing God's voice. Um, community is critical for discernment, for discerning the voice of God. I can't stress this enough. We discern the voice of God together in community. You know, the amount of times I've heard people say, like, God told me I was going to marry this girl. <laughs> or God told me I was going to do this or that or whatever. And maybe, 
But I've also seen a lot of times that, that the guy didn't marry the girl he was so sure was God's promise to him. And there's no shame in mishearing God's voice. We're all in process of learning to hear the voice of the good shepherd. But let's just come at it with a lot of humility, right? With submission to one another saying, I think God might be leading me in this direction. I sense God is leading me to, to, to do this or to do that. Because while God is perfect and only speaks what is absolutely and definitively true, our listening is anything but perfect. And I can think of countless times in my own journey where I, I've thought that God said something and I think I got it wrong. In verse 32, after these disciples have this encounter with Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, the disciples turn to one another and they ask. And, and I want you to note that they ask. They don't state they ask, were not our hearts burning within us when we talked, when he talked with us on the road and opened scripture to us? You know, it's, it's, it's like they're saying, did you see and experience that too? Like, I'm not crazy, right? Jesus was actually here with us, right? They, they were confirming with one another what they'd experienced with Jesus. Things get dicey. Things get really dicey when we discern the voice of God in isolation. That's actually where cults start. When we build our lives on prompts that we hear, that we think we hear from God without weighing it against first scripture, we always want to weigh what we think God might be saying against scripture. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never contradict what he said in scripture. So we want to weigh anything we think God might be saying against scripture, and then also against other brothers and sisters in Christ. Saying like, does this sound like God to you? And this is why I'm so thankful to have, you know, a wife that loves Jesus, that I can discern the voice of God alongside and, and say, hey, this is what I think God is saying. Or even to lead this church alongside other great pastors like Cam and Pastor David and, and many others on our team. And, and sometimes I, I, I go into, a, to, I, I go to our, other, our pastors and I say, you know, I, I think God might be saying this. I think we might need to go here. And sometimes in the unity of that group, there's like this, this, this unity. I'm like, yeah, I think he is. I think this is where we need to go. And, and sometimes I, 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 say, I say that, and, and the kind of sense around the room is like, that might be God speaking, but it might not be for right now. It might actually be for later. Or sometimes I actually get it wrong, and I don't hear God's voice. But this is why we need to, to be in community with one another. This is where we cue the, the, the community groups ad right here, because we all need to be in community. There's so much more that we could say on this point, but, uh, but for the sake of time, let's keep moving. In Luke 24, we also hear God speak through our circumstances, in the midst of life circumstances, essentially just in the ordinary, everyday stuff of our lives. See, the setting of this encounter that the disciples have with Jesus, it's in the middle of this seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to this village called Emmaus. They were just going about their day, the two of them. They were on transit between one place and another, and they encountered Jesus in the midst of that trip. You know, so often we meet Jesus in the midst of our ordinary lives. Maybe for you, maybe it's, maybe it's on a walk or at the mall. Maybe it's through the voice of a friend or in nature or in the changing of a newborn's diapers <laughs> or at work or maybe through art or through a song on the radio. Does anyone listen to the radio still? It could be on a long car ride to the Okanagan. He can speak to us through absolutely anyone and anything. And sometimes it's in the most unexpected ways. Jesus shows up to the disciples in the middle of their walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And, and here's another thing that might be worth noting about, the, about this scene in, in Luke 24. Is verse 17 says, Jesus came to them while their faces were downcast. Like these two guys were mourning the loss of their friend. 
They were sad. They were grieving. They were, de they were depressed. They were downcast. And you know, that seems to often be the place. For some reason, I found this to be true in my life and in the lives of many of the people around me, that God seems to come to us to speak most loudly to us, most tangibly in the midst of pain and sorrow. Have you noticed that? that God often comes in the, in the midst of pain and brokenness. And I don't think that's by chance. God's voice often sounds the loudest and is most recognizable in the valley rather than in the mountaintops. Not all the time, but oftentimes I think that's true. C.S. Lewis spoke to this point and he, and he called pain God's megaphone. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pain. And I wonder if I could maybe just even encourage someone who might be in this room and might be walking through a season of pain, whether it's physical pain or maybe relational challenges, the death of a loved one, or financial struggle, or whatever it might be in your world. God says that he is so close to the brokenhearted. And I would just encourage you, if, if you can, just lean into God in the quietness and times alone. Lean into relationship with others who love him because he promises that he is close to the brokenhearted. And my prayer for you is that you would know his voice, that you would, that you would, that you would feel his nearness in whatever it is that you're walking through. When everything's stripped away, when we come to the end of ourselves and realize our need for him, that's often the time where his presence is the most tangible. Okay, lastly, according to Luke's telling of this story, the disciples encountered Jesus' presence really slowly, like at walking speed. I don't know about you, but most days I have a dozen things at least, maybe dozens of things on my to-do list. And so I'm usually trying to get from point A to point B as fast as I possibly can. On a work day, oftentimes, if Cam needs something from me, he's like, can I walk with you to your car? And we'll talk while we're walking. And, 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 and I'll try to get from, from as fast as I can. And then even while I'm getting from one place to another, I'll put in headphones and I'll be listening to like an audio book or a podcast because I want to be as productive as I possibly can as I get from one place to another. But here's, but here's what I've been wondering. What would have happened if the disciples were rushing from Jerusalem to Emmaus? Like, would they have missed this profound encounter with Jesus if they were just kind of blazing past? Would they have run right past him? And could it be that sometimes we miss Jesus because of our pace? Like how often do we maybe miss the voice of God and encounter with him because we're just so busy, we're so full, we're so full of activity. Dallas Willard, who's a great Christian philosopher, he said that the great enemy of the spiritual life, actually does anyone want to guess what he said that the great enemy of the spiritual life is? It's not lust or consumerism or greed. He suggested that the great enemy of the spiritual life is hurry. And here's why I think that's true. Because when we are hurried, when we're always running from one thing to the next, it robs us from the capacity to be present in the moment, which is absolutely critical if we're going to hear God's voice. But when we're always rushing from one thing to another, one scholar pointed out that throughout the gospel, Jesus is only ever moving at about three miles an hour, five kilometers an hour. And so he decided, he called it like this. He said, we serve a five kilometer an hour God. Walking speed. That God is never rushing. Most of the encounters that he has with people are, are interruptions while he's on route from one place to another. 
Um, but, but most of us, I think, run our lives at like 10 or 12 or 50 kilometers an hour or faster. And so in a figurative sense, it's so easy for us to just kind of blaze right past Jesus, to miss him in the midst of our incredibly busy lives. Hey, it's, it's crazy what slowing down can do for our relationships with God. And I'm preaching to myself here. If we want to hear his voice, it's going to require us to move slower, waiting and listening and walking. A lot of times in my life, it's been painfully slow, but there's nothing more exhilarating than being with him, than learning to hear his voice. Okay, as we move towards the close this morning, here's what I want to say. You know, if you've been following Jesus for more than like a minute, I probably didn't share anything that you've never heard before. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so aware that we can know all of this stuff and we can even do a lot of these things. We can read scripture and we can be in community and we can, you know, we, 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 can, we can do all of these things and still our hearts can be so far from God. We can still be so foreign to the voice of God. But you know what stuck with me over, from the, the section of Luke chapter 24 that, that was just read a, a few moments ago? What's really stuck with me over this last week is a few words, just a, a few verses at the very end of that section. It's these words at the very tail end of the story that I haven't been able to shake ever since I read them a few days ago. And uh, I hadn't noticed them till this point, but this, this, this rocked me. To recap what's going on in the story real quick. The, counter, the, the disciples encountered Jesus on their walk. He opens up scripture and just kind of blows their mind as he unpacks what, what, what the, the prophecies about him all the way from Genesis, all the way through the Bible. And as the disciples, so this has all been happening, and as they reach Emmaus, they're like walking down this road. Finally, they get to their stop where they're gonna turn off and go to Emmaus. And, and so they start to turn and Jesus continues to go straight, the text says. So Jesus is continuing on his journey. They turn off to Emmaus and, and, and this is what it says. It says, they urged him strongly as they were turning off, stay with us. And so he stayed with them. They urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. And I think there might be something really powerful for us to catch in those few words. They urged him to come and to stay with them, and so he stayed with them. Here's what I think that means. Here's what I think it means for us today. That God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. Jesus never barges in. He never forces deeper relationship with us. And if we're satisfied knowing him kind of at arm's length, then that's what it will be. That's what we'll get. If we're okay kind of swimming in the shallow end, he's never going to drag us into the deep end. But if we draw near to him, if we urge him, come and dwell with us, if we draw near to him, he promises that he will draw near to us, that we will experience him, that we'll encounter him, learn to hear his voice, and enjoy this dynamic relationship with the God of the universe. God comes where he's wanted. See, what's the goal of prayer? What's the goal of this whole thing? Why do, what, what, what do we get from prayer? I think we get God. We get Jesus. We get relationship with this God who knows us fully, knows the good and the bad, the successes and the failures, and yet he loves us completely. The goal of prayer is, is simply communion with God, relationship with him. And I wonder... I wonder what would happen if we were to ask God together 
as individuals, as a community. If we were to say, God, in 2024, would you come and encounter us afresh? Would you come, as we read scripture, I just pray we would encounter you in a fresh new way. We long to know your voice. Would you show up in our community gatherings here on Sunday mornings and smaller groups as we gather in homes? Like, what if we actually slowed down our lives? Like, intentionally said no to some things so that we could say yes to time with Jesus. Like, I bet you anything. I bet you anything that God would respond to our prayer like that. And remember, he often comes slowly. Scripture describes the the voice of God as a still, small voice. But I really believe that God comes where he's wanted. He draws near to us as we draw near to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Invite the team to come back up. Jesus, we, we want you. We want to grow into deeper, more abiding relationship with you. I know I speak for myself and many, maybe for others in the room. I say I'm not satisfied knowing you a little bit, knowing about you. I want to know you deeply. I want to be able to hear your voice and respond. I want to encounter the living God in scripture and community and my everyday life and circumstances. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who says, as we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. If you want to grow in in a deeper relationship with God, if you want to hear his voice more in 2024 than you have before, I just want to invite you to just put your hands in front of you, kind of like a posture to receive from him. And let me pray for you this morning. God, we want to know you. I pray that Rail City Campus would be this beacon of hope and light in Port Moody. That as we take your presence with us into our office buildings, into our homes, to our workplaces and schools, that there would be a notable difference as we carry your presence with us. I pray for each friend who's here that says, yes, I want more of Jesus this year. I pray that you would fall afresh. You say, come Holy Spirit. Come move among us. I also pray for the skeptic in the room. I pray that you would encounter them too. That you would wake us up in dreams. (laughs) That you would speak through the voice of a friend, through nature, however you want to do it. But God, give us ears to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand. And uh, we're actually going to go into communion in just a moment, and we'll continue to worship and sing together. And this is kind of, um, I'm not sharing this with any of the other services today, but you guys get a bonus point, okay? We gave you five. Here's number six, because we're doing communion together. We also encounter the presence of Jesus in the breaking of bread, in communion. And that's right there in the text. You can go look at it after in the road to Emmaus. As Jesus breaks the bread with his followers, it's like their eyes open up and they see him face to face. And so here's what I wanna say about communion 
is this is not just some symbol that we do, some ritual we do. Um, it is a, a profound place of encounter with the living God. And so as you come up, and maybe you're not familiar with communion, here's what it is. It's, it's, it's bread representing Jesus' body that was broken on the cross. And it's some juice represents his blood that was poured out for us. And as you come up and as you take these, this bread and this juice, um, I would encourage you to do it prayerfully and do it saying, God, I want to encounter you in this moment. In scripture, this is something that Jesus himself commanded us to do, is to take these and, and to remember, to encounter him in them, and we do this until he comes again. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.